This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Welcome to you, wherever you're listening. This is the Territory Story Podcast. My name is Peter Gowers, and that was a huge hit for our next guest on the podcast. But before we introduce them, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Mr. Leon Logan-Nathan. How are you, mate? I'm well, mate, but how how many people are we interviewing today? Uh, Well, I'm talking in the um, ambiguous (laughs) because you like to do the big intro, and I don't even want to give away the sex at this stage. (laughs) All right, mate. Well, look, I'm uh, I'm really excited to talk to our next guest. I um, uh, it's going, I'm going to be there's going to be all sorts of admissions on this podcast from me uh, about my uh, my um, age, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but we'll get there, and uh, it, it's it's really going to be exciting. So uh, yeah, mate, I'll let you introduce our next guest. Well, on the podcast, the Territory Story podcast, of course, we'd like to introduce all the way from LA is uh, well-known around the world, uh, singer, songwriter, dancer extraordinaire, Vassie. Welcome to the podcast, Vassie. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you, Vassie? Good. Thank you. Now, I've got to be first cab off the rank and uh, make a, an admission. Prior to about, I don't know, maybe it was about three weeks or four weeks ago, Vassie, I had never heard of you. Um, and, and, and the main reason for that, Vassie, is my age. I'm past <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the dance phase of my life. Um, that the last time I think I was sort of on the dance floor doing the, you know, dancing to the sort of music that I, I've heard from you since, 
was uh, probably the early 90s, and Black Box comes to mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I'm so well and truly past that. But having said that, um, I saw your um, uh, you were featured in the NT News. Uh, they were doing a feature on the top 50, I think, maybe top 100 most powerful women in the territory. And I can't recall what number you were, but you were definitely in the top 10, possibly in the top five. And when I read that list, I thought, who is that person? Um, how come I've never heard of her? And I just put it into the back of my head and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll find out about who this is later. And then maybe a week later, we interviewed, uh, uh, I'm going to say Roger, but it's not, it's Graham, Graham Steele uh, on the podcast, also from LA, also a Darwinite. And at the end of the podcast, Graham said to us, hey, have you, have you interviewed Vassie? And I said, no, but it's interesting you should mention that name because I just saw that name the other day in the papers. So we reached out to you and um, did a little bit of Google research and just almost fell over thinking, who is this seriously famous person that uh, I, I had not heard of? And no one in my circles, at least, uh, have mentioned who you are, Vassie. So with that long introduction, can you tell us who you are, where you were born and how you sort of ended up where you are now? I was born and raised in Darwin, uh, in Ludmilla, actually. <laughs> Just to keep it local for us. Yeah. Um, my parents migrated to Darwin many, many years ago um, from Greece. And so, yeah, I was born and raised in Darwin with my siblings. Um, I have an older sister, an older brother, Anna and Chris. Some people back home in Darwin probably know my sister through yachts. Um, yachts at the restaurant in Cullen Bay. That's her restaurant mm. with her husband, Evan, Evan. And they're a very, yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. very well-known couple in Darwin um, who've had lots of success with yachts and I'm very proud of them. And, um, yeah, my parents, you know, raised us there and uh, gave us a better life than what they had, obviously, le leaving Greece at the time. And, and um it was it was a great childhood in Darwin. I, I mean, I loved growing up in Darwin, and and um, it's just such a multicultural city, and it was safe. And we used to run around outside across the road collecting tadpoles, and it was just you know super super uh, down to earth. And um, so yeah, so that that's pretty much. I mean, my story, like in terms of growing up in Darwin and growing up in a Greek family. And um, all the Darwin stuff, which I know, I'm sure we're going to get into later. <laughs> um, but then, I mean, from there, obviously, there's another part of the, the story. But uh, I, I'm Bassie. I'm a um, multi-platinum award-winning recording artist. Now I can say that. When I was growing up in Darwin, I was not that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, um, you know, I've had a very humble beginning and and uh, and, and my, my journey through all the years of doing what I'm doing. And um, and now here I am living in Los Angeles, uh, obviously having had pursued my, my dreams in music in America. And um, But, yeah, you know, you can take the girl out of Darwin, but you can't take Darwin out of the girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what else you want me to tell you. I gave you like a quick. <laughs> no, that's good. It's a, it's a great pricey. I guess we go back to um, early life. Like where, where did you go to school in Darwin? Sure, yeah. Um, so I went to St. Mary's uh, Primary School and then I went to Darwin High School and then after Darwin High School, I studied um, in Sydney. I went to UTS, University of Technology in Sydney. I actually got a degree um, in, in interior architecture um, before I started my career in music. And then after that, I um, when I graduated, um, which, by the way, I got first-class honours degree, um, <laughs> which sits in my mum's living room. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Back in Love Miller. And, um, yeah, my dad at the time, unfortunately, we lost my father um, to cancer, and it was a really tough time. But before my dad left, I expressed to him how much I really wanted to do music because I never grew up around music I didn't know anything about it it was just a calling like I've had it you know I was born an artist basically and um I remember when I was still in Darwin 
and I was, um, I think in high school or maybe I was, I was doing university, but I'd come, I'd always come home on the breaks, you know, like for the dry season and Christmas, anytime I'd get a break, I'd be home. And, um, I remember at the time I had, uh, received grants from the NT government, um, to run these music workshops and hip hop workshops at Brownsmart for the locals, because, you know, growing up in Darwin, like, we just didn't have a lot of uh, exposure back then and opportunities. There wasn't Instagram and all this stuff, obviously. Um, and uh, and so I ran these hip-hop workshops, you know, for the local community to come and for the youth to find a platform to do, like, battles and things like that, but just basically creating um, this safe environment for them uh, where they could get on stage with a turntablist playing some cool hip-hop stuff and for them to take the mic and do whatever they wanted to do, whether mm. it was rap or sing or, and, uh, and then, um, I took that workshop. It was very successful. I did it at Brown's Mart. And then I went into the detention centers in Darwin and I ran them in, in the wow. detention centers and, um, you know, predominantly, um, uh, our indigenous community in these particular, in this particular detention centers, it was just all guys, obviously, and, um, quite young and a lot mm. of them coming from communities. So. Um, I went in and in that time anyway, I just realized, I was like, wow, I, I, I really connect with people. And, um, before my dad passed away, I got his blessings to do music uh, only after I would finish my degree. And so when I finished my degree in honor of my father, um, I finished it and then I started my career in music. And so my career in music was a little, I didn't know, I didn't know how to do this, obviously having had no exposure or anyone in the bu- music business teach me or advise mm. me or any contacts out of Darwin, nothing. <laughs> and um, I used to go to like this jazz club in Sydney called The Basement. And I used to just jump up on stage and improvise with the band. And um, I started to get discovered a bit from there. And then I, I started writing music just to express myself. So I think like literally one of the very first songs I had ever written Um a friend of mine, a friend of mine, submitted it into the Triple J, you know, Song of the Year competition, and it won Song of the Year. Mm-hmm. And I remember, what year was this, um, oh my goodness, this was like, um, I think, was it two thousand six? It was a while ago. Um, and I remember um, at the time when they called, I thought like my brother-in-law was messing around with me, like <laughs> playing a joke. So I remember dropping the F bomb on radio, like saying, Oh, F off Evan, you know, and Triple J would love that. (laughs) Well, I remember at the time Robbie Buck, you know, who's is he still at Triple J? I don't know, but he was like, you know, you might want to go near radio and then (laughs) I did and then I was so embarrassed. But anyway, Triple J then flew me to Melbourne and I recorded my very first EP. And then from there, I um, got signed to Universal Music in, in Sydney, in Australia. And then I, you know, started my career. And at that point, it was really cool because my song was playing all over radio. I was now in newspapers, magazines. I was performing on like um, the morning TV shows, you know, with Carrie Anley, whatever her name was, was I forget. Like the morning shows, the TV yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, Carrie Anley. Yeah, that's right, Carrie Ann, my yeah, bad, yeah. and um, Sunrise or whatever it's called. And, yeah. And um, it was cool. It was really, really cool. Like I was, I performed with uh, Danny Hines and Marsha Hines and Guy Sebastians for the Australia mm. Day concert in Canberra. And um, so, but I think deep down inside of me, there was this part of me that wanted to have this international career and I just was struggling to have it in Australia I didn't fit the I didn't fit the box. I wasn't like a a Missy Higgins or a Delta Goodrum, and I just wasn't fitting the mm. Australian thing. And it was frustrating me um, because I couldn't grow as an artist and get to that next level. And so I thought, okay, I'm an international artist, and so how do I do this? And my dream after hearing Billy Holiday, because I was actually inspired by Billy Holiday, wow. and I discovered Billy Holiday's very first um, record that I ever heard of hers, "Lady Sings the Blues." And guess what? I found that in a, I don't know if you guys remember, but I think it, not Mitchell Street, the the other street that cuts over like par- parallels the mall, but there used to be oh, a record. Yeah. A record shop on that street years ago. Kavanaugh Street? No, no. Is that Kavanaugh? Secondhand record joint? Yeah, but it's not there anymore, I don't think. But years ago, they used to have. Yeah, and so that's where I found 
all this cool stuff because the guy that used to have it yeah, yeah. used to bring in some cool music and um, I just, you know, and so I discovered her. And anyway, I fell in love with Billie Holiday and this song like Autumn in New York and I thought, oh, I have to move to New York. I yeah. mean, I, don't, I was so <laughs> ambitious back then. Yeah. And so I moved to New York. What, what am I year thinking? was this, uh, Fashion? Um, this was, oh, man, I don't remember because um, it was like <laughs> not long after the Triple J thing and I had moved to New York and that was tough because it took me a while to get into New York, I mean, to like be able to stay in the country, but not really because um, I met randomly when I was in New York, not living there yet, like just traveling. I had met these ladies that do TV and film stuff and um, they heard my music and they fell in love with it. And they basically wow. said, um, we'd like to pitch your songs to some TV people. And I was like, oh, okay. And from there, I literally got a, my break. It was my, my song that I had written got placed for the Hilton Hotels campaign all around the world. Mm. Um, I got so many campaigns from Victoria's Secret to Target. Um, to Nike, to Google, to Sketches. I mean, it went on and on and on to, you know, TV shows on the ABC like Grey's Anatomy. And and it was nonstop there for a really solid, like, two years. Mm. And, um, you know, that made me all this money and it recouped my recording deal with Universal <laughs> and it basically bought me my visa and all of a sudden I'm now living in New York. And it was kind of tough there for a minute because, I was really lonely. I missed my family. I didn't know anyone. New York's a tough city. You know, America's a tough city. I'm now all of a sudden like a nobody. No one knows me. It's a ruthless business. I have no one I can trust. I'm making money. People are ripping me off basically because they because I'm getting exploited because I'm naive. I don't know the business. And um, they see they smell money. And, you know, it's a capitalist society. I mean, um also economy so it's capitalist economy but also the music business can be really ruthless and so um i got burnt a lot and um you know i started to learn pretty quickly unfortunately that um it's it's a nasty industry <laughs> and so yeah. i had to toughen up but um i remember leaving L new york to go to london because i got this campaign for nokia to travel around london performing my song and at the time, I was getting managed by Amy Winehouse's manager, Nick Godwin from 19 Management. And so they wanted to sign me there and do this whole kind of an Amy Winehouse vibe, which wow. was definitely me. Um, and then I remember being in London for about six months and I just thought, I really can't live in London. Like, this isn't for me. The weather is not my, my vibe, you know, growing up in the tropics, Darwin. And then um, I remember one day I went to LA on a writing trip that um, some publishing company had set up and I thought, okay, let me just go and write some music, see what happens. And I, um, I, I instantly connected with Los Angeles and then since then I've been here. And then pretty much after that, like I started to get my breaks as a recording artist. So I had written a song um, of mine that just got in the hands of David Guetta, who's, you know, obviously mm -hmm. mega huge. <laughs> And um, this song ended up going platinum 18 times around the world. It was number one in over 30 countries. It had over 2 billion streams. Um, I actually just got an award uh, this year from APRA uh, back home in Australia yeah. for officially joining the Billions Club um, with wow. that song because it was a really huge song. And, Which um, song was that, term, It was a song called Bad. It was with David Guetta and Showtech. And um, it broke me and immersed me into the dance EDM genre. Mm. And basically that entire year, I mean, really changed my career. Um, and then that put me on the map globally. And then a year after that, I had another big, big record with Tiesto, who's like the biggest DJ in the world. Mm. And um, our song that I wrote and performed on called Secrets went number one in over 35 countries it went 10 times platinum and it was huge and on top of that i was so fortunate that tiesto invited me to perform the song with him at literally the biggest festivals in the world wow. from ultra festival in miami to tomorrowland in belgium in front of 400,000 people mm. to electric <laughs> zoo in new york 
to um, different festivals. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think now, like around the US, and we performed it in China, and Mexico's crazy. And so that that just put me on the map, you know, another level. And then from there, I launched out and started doing my own solo records in the dance genre um, with a lot of DJs like Afrojack and all, a whole bunch of other DJs. And since then, I've had um, uh, eight number ones on the US Billboard dance charts. And, um, you know, just slowly, slowly like building my own sound and brand mm. with my fans. And, um, and now here I am. I mean, obviously, we've had a pandemic and it's been tough with no touring but i literally am doing my very uh, first concert again since pandemic shut down next week in texas and we're getting ready to now put out my new record to, to service it to dance radio here in the u.s and so it's been interesting because um i'm still australian at heart you know <laughs> even though now even though now like i'm a u.s citizen and i just got my passport this week and um i'm obviously still australian too but I um I just uh, America's been good to me in terms of my career and stuff, and there is a part of me that would and I would like to come back home one day and move back home, um, but also be able to uh, get immersed back with the with the local scene in Australia mm. at some stage and really start. But um, you know, for now it's like you know here I am, and so. It's it's been a journey, and I haven't had help. I mean, I've done it on my own. Like a girl leaving Darwin, little old Darwin, yeah. from a very <laughs> sheltered Greek family. You know, did you go to Greek I school, mean, by the way? Did you go to Greek? Yeah, school? <laughs> I did. Every Saturday of course. at yes. church on Sunday, Greek church. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it must have been a big deal for your dad to like give you uh, his blessing for you to do this because it would have been so outside his comfort zone for what he would it normally was. aspire. Yeah, it was. Unfortunately, my father never got to see me sing or hear me sing, bless his soul. We lost him very young. I was very young. And so he's never seen any of this. Um, I wish he was around so I could share my success with him and, you know, let him know, hey, Dad, like, I, you know, I, here I am. Remember, I told you I kept my mm. promise, and um, <laughs> you know, and I just wanted to sh share my success with him and let him know that you know, because I think it's tough, especially for um, immigrant parents, not knowing like what the music business is all about. Yeah, uh, they don't know, and no. and 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 it's if my child, or you know, when I have a child one day, if my child ever said I want to do music you know i uh i don't know i would be like my father mm. <laughs> probably say no <laughs> yeah. because hey, that, you, you, ultimately you want them to be safe don't you you know and that's where your dad do. would have been coming from you do yeah it's it's a, it's a tough business you really have to um you have to be tough you have to really believe in yourself uh you have to take all rejections as redirections yeah um it's it's a it's tough there for a minute i mean yeah. you won't make money until one day you'll make money and it, it can be a very lucrative business but it can be a really yes. difficult business when you when you first start yeah. and um you're gonna have so many rejections and you're gonna be hot one minute and then all of a sudden because the record didn't go well or something you'll literally have like everyone give up on you and then you feel like you've got no one because mm. um you're not especially when you're not around your family and you're still like this. It's like if I was back home and I still have my family, my this and my that, but now I'm vulnerable and I'm exposed and I don't have anyone to lean on and it's very tough. And so you just have to really believe in yourself and um, you've got to manifest what it is, you know, mm -hmm. that you want to create and you've got to always have, like your plan A, I always tell, I've mentored the youth, I've gone in and I've done music workshops at the um, orphanages here in Los Angeles and on Skid Road to the kid, you know, kids in rough areas that don't have access to the things that I had access to growing up, which just really need that empowerment, you know, to be reinforced, to like be encouraged. And I always tell the kids, you know, you've got to have your plan A, you stick to your plan A and that rejections and redirections and all these things to let them know that just because you see all these famous artists 
you, you see like a Dua leap and you think, oh, wow. Or, <laughs> well, guess what? A couple of years ago, she was dropped and no one wanted to sign yeah. her. And so, you know, everyone has, there's always a story, even when you see the most amazing, most beautiful, most everything. But, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. Uh, there's no for, like actual formula for it. You just have to sort of dive in and, and go, go all in with it. Fassi, I'd just like to understand the journey a bit more, just just to take you back a little bit. So, no formal music training. You 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 learnt no instruments or anything like that. No. And and no formal singing training. No. So, I mean, I'm a I'm a car and shower singer from way back, but I'm not sure I'd ever take it to the stage or in front of anybody else. Tell me the moment where you, where you or someone realised, hey, there's a, there's a voice there that that's beyond just enjoying singing in the shower. Um, I think it was. I I, I always knew that I had something. I, I didn't think I had the best voice in the world, but I just knew that I had a voice, and mm. it was one to tell stories through music. That was my voice, and so. Um, I, I I don't know if I necessarily my voice appeals to everyone, but I just it's a distinctive sound. And I think the first person that really discovered me that said that was um, um a manager that I had at the time in Australia called Norman Parkhill, and uh, I've haven't spoken to him in years now, but um, he discovered me singing uh, like live jazz music on stage, mm-hmm. um, just on these at these open mic nights, you know. And um, I'd say that was a moment there where that was one of the first moments in my career where I felt recognized and someone was on the same page as I was. Um, so that was cool. Uh, but obviously really when, you know, my song, as soon as I had a song out on radio on Triple J, I mean, the endorsement of a national radio station and it was cool. And pe- people were uh, finally recognizing me or or actually not recognizing me, like, being introduced to me and then i think my family really started to come on board then because they realized oh wow this (laughs) is fancy like this is our our daughter our my daughter our sister our and um it was it was cool you know i guess one of the things too that um you know you you made your journey to the u.s and i guess the the big positive for that is it's hard for people in australia to understand um without if they haven't been there but there's so much more diversity in terms of just radio play in the US. Um, you know, most radio stations, take Darwin, for example, uh, we, we've, we've got basically commercial top 40 radio stations that play the current top 40 and some of the older stuff. But there's so many specialist music networks and radio networks, and, and now thanks to satellite radio, that exists in the US. So it's a much bigger platform for you to launch onto. Mm. Have you found uh, the music industry uh, in in the US to be not open, but I suppose being from Australia has has that helped you with you know your heritage and and people's interest? Um, has it helped me in my career? Saying in music, being from Australia, or, yeah. Um, no, not necessarily. I, I don't think it does. I, I I think it's very tough to come and make it in America. It yeah. absolutely is. I think, I think it's really tough for Americans to make it in a, in America. Mm. Uh, I sometimes, I you know, count my blessings and I just think, oh my goodness, how did I even do? How did I do this? Because so, you get caught up <laughs> in it sometimes, and and you know, you want that next thing. It's like, okay, you have two, you have platinum records, you've got several number ones, and you know, you're only as good as your last thing. So you want the next thing to do well. You want to win a Grammy, like all these things, and. Obviously, there's other artists that are up there, like doing really well. And, um, but I have to always remember that they don't, I don't have what they have. I wasn't born here and have this entire network of people that I've known and my family has known or my family's in the business or, and so some people are lucky. They're born into it. They're born into a family that has contacts, like their dad knows a great lawyer in the business or their mom is, you know, and so. These are things that really expedite your career um, 
and certainly help. <laughs> it's mm. what they say, not what you know, it's who you know. It really is who you know here sometimes. I mean, it really is that. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say the Australia thing has helped me, um, to be honest. What it has done for me, though, is it's kept me authentically original mm. um, it's, and it's kept me it's kept me down to earth because most Australians, we have this. It doesn't matter how famous people get or whatever. Like when you get in a room with Australians, everyone's still pretty Australian yeah. and has that um, just grounded type, just who cares, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm so glad I have that because it's really exhausting the other way. And <laughs> I sometimes see people in my business, you know, they have a little bit of success and they think there's somebody, and then you just think, "Oh my goodness, really, dude? Like, wow, no. like, you got to chill out because yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that deep, and we're not saving lives. Like, you got to relax. It's not you're not that important, actually. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and so I I'm so happy I'm Australian, and I'm proud of that all the time. And actually, on my Instagram handle, I have proud Northern Territorian girl. Uh, <laughs> nice. so, <laughs> I always talk about Darwin. I, I'm very proud of Darwin. And um, so, yeah. Well, you, you actually answered everything that I was thinking I was going to put to you just then because, you know, I've, I've listened to you now for, for the little last little while uh, for the first time um, in, in terms of speaking with you. And the one thing that struck me from the get-go was you know, you may be over there in the US, you may be a multi-platinum award-winning artist and doing amazing things, but you still come across as seriously local Darwin. You know, you, you just, you have that um, vibe about you, which I must say I find a little bit uh, extraordinary because, it, you know, it's so easy. You see it so many times people become successful and they forget where they're from, <laughs> they forget who they are, and they just get caught up in this whole uh, universe of um, of fame and fortune. And I can't see any evidence of that listening to you right now, Vasi. Thank you. Yeah, that mean that's actually a great compliment because I um I'm glad I'm like that, and I'm glad that you see that. And uh, I, I my family keeps me grounded, and you know I. I just got off the phone earlier FaceTiming with my my sister and, and her son, my, my nephew, talking about their new fish tank because they just got fish. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and uh, they're going down a yacht, you know, they're going down to the restaurant, this and that. And, um, and that's just how I am because I'm, again, it's the way we were raised in Darwin as well. There's mm. something about it. I mean, Darwin's yeah. a unique place. And and I just think it's so special, and so I keep that with me. Um, and well, you know, look when I when I need to be, uh, I, I'm I'm not not need to be, but when I'm in my work mode or I'm in a setting, uh, you know, I I I'll I'll never allow myself to be disrespected. So mm. I am very down to earth and humble, and um, and most people are good, but if uh, you know, if I need to, I'll, I definitely, you know, know how to shut mm-hmm. something down and be a diva in that moment. If I, you know what I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. but otherwise, it's uh, it's not my vibe. Like, I don't. Mm. I just want to continue to create, you know, music that does really well, that connects with people around the world, that can continue to, you know, create great revenue for me, and um. And maybe one day I could be doing this um, on this level still, but living in a nice big house in Darwin in the tropics, <laughs> <laughs> out of this crazy city life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Bessie, how's the um, how's the process of creating music and releasing it changed? You mentioned earlier that you signed with Universal initially, um, and you know we've seen this emergence in recent years of of artists who essentially have been able to launch their own careers thanks to social media and, and similar platforms. Ha- has that changed for you over the time? Is it easier for you now? More difficult, or you know, how does that overall process take place for you? Yeah, social media has change the game and we are able to connect with our fans through our socials um it's really as simple as that now so it takes a lot of 
power out of the hands of the labels in terms of you can independently distribute and access your fans. You don't need anyone. Mm. Uh, however, radio is a different story and going to radio, uh, particularly in America, you do need a label. There's politics right. and um, depends what genre you're in as well. But, you know, if you're – I had a record uh, to, just before the pandemic actually – that did really, really well at dance radio. It went number one. It's called Concrete Heart. Um, it's up there. You can't see it. I have a plaque for it up there. But uh-huh. uh, anyway, it went number one on Billboard Dance Charts and it went number one at dance radio. Uh, and so we cro- the label, I was signed to Sony at the time, we tried to cross it over to pop radio. And uh, we managed to get it on quite a few stations. But the pop game is a very, yeah. very difficult uh, genre and it's a very expensive genre because – you need a big, big, big campaign for that. And so only majors can, can really do that. And it's not even just, you, you can have, you know, I, I met a billionaire's kid that has all the money in the world, great mm-hmm. voice, great package, and still can't even get it on the radio because it's not even about that. Like you have to be on a major. So I think labels still play a role um, when it comes to uh, really making an impact at radio. You yeah. definitely need that. But in terms of, just uh, sharing your music. If you're an artist out there, especially in Darwin, and you're trying to just get, get um, your stuff out, you can do that on your own. You can record mm. it on your own, and you can um, distribute it through all these aggregators. You've got TuneCore. TuneCore is one of the best. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So I think that's helped a lot. And what about the collaboration process with artists? I mean, you mentioned before, you know, David Guetta and Tiesto and Afrojack and, you know, I saw a, um, a great song of yours that you did, collaborated with Scooter. Um, how does that process happen these days with artists who are often in different countries, you know, different touring schedules? Could you talk us through a bit about uh, the mechanics of, of how one of those collaborative songs is, is recorded and, and mixed? Well, everything's done now this way. It really, really is. I mean, I'm rarely in the studio with the producers ever. So mm. uh, typically my process is that I always start with the song. The song's pretty much written. And then I go in with my engineer and I record my vocals because I like to record my own vocals. And then I have an acapella and um, pretty much it's delivered to whoever it is that I'm working with. And then we start to construct the production around it. And so then it's a lot of back and forth and I'm pretty involved most like 99% of the time mm-hmm. in the production. I'm, I, I voice out my opinions. I send things back. We kind of go back and forth. I may recut some more stuff, send more stuff over. And that's just so, sort of how it's done. And, in these collaborative projects, uh, honestly, you can go from you could go from LA to Germany to Milan to Amsterdam to Paris back to LA to I mean, so now with the internet, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But there's nothing. There's something special about being in the studio with 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 the creator, and I've mm. had that those opportunities too, obviously. Um, but these days, it's I just had a writing session on Zoom the other day with this songwriter who I love working with. And uh, that's that. And now I'm going to go in to record it tomorrow and then I'm going to send the vocals to... So you see, just <laughs> this is kind of how it's done now. And mm-hmm. with the pandemic, it's actually worked in our favour because um, we haven't been able to go anywhere or do anything. So that process, though, would have started well before the pandemic, right? It's just... Yeah, uh, it, it's yeah because it's the nature of the business. We're, in, we're international artists. Mm-hmm. Everyone's based in different countries. So once you start getting into that uh, space and you start developing those relationships, it's a, you know, it's a very, uh, this particular genre as well, especially, it's very international. If I was in hip hop, that would definitely be a lot more localized. Um, but the dance space is very international. Bessie. Mm. Uh, like I said, I'm a little bit all at sea with all of this, but I was very, very pleased to find out the other day when I was doing a little bit of research into you uh, that David Guetta is older than me. (laughs) 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 But, um, look, uh, were you even even around when when Black Box was sort of famous? I mean, we're talking about 30 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) 
Um, well, I, I know the group, Black Box, absolutely. Yeah, oh, I mean, they're, they're legends. Uh, I'm in dance, yeah. so I know Crystal Waters. I know CeCe Peniston. Mm. These are people I've worked with. These are people I know. So these, mm. these are classic legends, pioneers of the dance music. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so I, when I was growing up, because I have an older brother and sister, um, you know, and we had, it was rage back then. It was rage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> still exists, unfortunately. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I was getting exposed to a lot of stuff through them. Um, but, you know, because my sister was a teen, I just like hearing stuff. And because uh, yeah. also like, also I was really drawn to music. So naturally my ear would spark up when yeah. I heard soulful things. And the dance in the 90s and stuff was really when dance was at its best, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's I all agree. come back. It's all come back now. Everything that we're doing now in the dance genre around the world is pretty much taking from the nineties. Is that right? That's I'm gonna so I'm gonna sound like that, yeah. the old fart in the room now, Leon, just to take over your mantle for Thank a moment. You. But um <laughs> and and I you know, we mention this from time to time, but I've been a, a DJ for about thirty years, Vassy. So what's interesting to me is the songs that I was playing Back in those days, you know, like Black Box and you know, the other artists of, of that time that came through the 90s. And, I mean, C.C. Peniston and Crystal Waters, I mean, the amount of times they got me a full dance floor, it's, it's unbelievable. But it's so interesting now when you turn on the radio and I remember my parents' generation saying, oh, that's just this song that's been redone. But nowadays it seems like some songs don't even have a five-year hiatus before they're revisited. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of uh remakes <laughs> happening that's for sure <laughs> i know there is a lot i'm all for redoing a song that was number one and was a huge hit in its day but for those songs yeah. that made the top 50 that are being redone now i always think i wonder how they chose that particular song to redo yeah who knows a hit's a hit people can't write so they want to pull from yeah true 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 so you would uh, be obviously well aware that uh, Darwin's op- open for business, and we don't have issues with uh, coronavirus and things like that. So yes, that's that's why I can't get home to <laughs> see my family. When are we likely to see a Vassy concert in the Northern Territory? Well, I can't get to Darwin. This is the problem. I um, there are no direct flights to Darwin, uh, not even th- from Singapore, and. I need to land in Darwin to quarantine in Darwin because I do mm. not want to do my quarantining in uh, in any of the other cities. Because mm. Darwin, the Howard Springs facility, actually lets you out of your room every day and you can sit on the balcony or you go for a little walk. Whereas in Sydney or Melbourne, some of the most of the hotels there, you're in a room. You're trapped in a room for two weeks. You can't open a window. You can't leave your room. And I think that's just ridiculous. I mean, I... I'm all on board for protecting the country. I think Australia's done a great job and I'm really happy for that because my family's protected. But uh, they need a better system. They need to look to New Zealand to and, and take from them because they had a really good system. You don't just get Australian citizens to have to fork out $4,000 to lock them up in a room that they can't even open a window for two whole weeks. That's unacceptable. I'm sorry. There's actually more humane ways to protect the country you know we're all willing to to pay for it it's all good but um that that's not okay and so like i i have severe claustrophobia i can't be in a room for two weeks in just a room and not be able to you know open a window let alone walk outside so um i'm waiting until i can actually get on a uh until they open up flights for darwin because right now there are no flights you can't get into darwin basically yeah, yeah. so the only uh, darwin flights have been are the chartered government yeah. chartered ones so hopefully the singapore hub will be open soon that's what i'm i'm i'm, I'm anticipating uh manifesting this but dry huh. season yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when i come to darwin for july and um, i'm gonna stay for a, a month or two i'm gonna stay and just you know um do the whole dry season have a good time Nice. Go get my my luxes from the Parak markets and hang out <laughs> with my family. Yeah, we need but to talk when about I come that. Home, <laughs> but, when, but when I come home, we are my agent's talking with um, the beachfront guys to, to try 
um, to basically put a booking together for a Brilliant. show. So that'll be fun. So I'll Brilliant. keep you guys posted. Yeah, please. Yeah, that'll be great. Look, I, I got to say, um, Vassy, you know, when I knew that you were coming on the show, I thought, okay, well, let me just start listening to some of this music and try and see if I can relate to any any of it. And, I, I, you know, I started obviously with the dance stuff, the stuff that was most popular. And then I noticed there was these ac acoustic um, records, uh, which appear to be like 10 years old, some of them uh, quite a while back. Um, but they... That, that's the sort of stuff that I could totally relate to, Vessi. And uh, I thought, you know, you had a real, you have a very, very good voice. Some of the music reminded me um, of some singers that I do know, uh, like um, Cor Corinne Bailey Ray. I don't know if you know her. She's mm. a pretty British oh, yeah. singer. Yeah. yeah, there was one song I was listening to off your acoustic album the other day. Uh, while I was having a swim, by the way. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it just, I thought, oh, wow, she sounds like that artist. So, yeah, I mean, and then you mentioned Amy Winehouse, someone who I, I can also relate to in terms of her music and, and her voice. And I noticed in Spotify they promote you as being someone who does anthemic sort of songs um, with, a, with a sort of a really powerful voice. So um, is that something that you've cultivated or is it? just be natural all the time no the the acoustics are my vibe i've been doing those for years i still put them out i i put them out for my fans i just put a new acoustic out last week and then the one before that and i'm putting out another one uh next week so i do that for my fans and i do acoustic covers and then i do acoustic uh versions of my originals um so that the fans can hear the song stripped back in its essence just simple with the vocal and the guitar without all the production and the effects. Um, and the fans really love it. And I didn't know that people would get mm -hmm. into it. So then I sort of stopped doing that. I was like, oh, everyone just wants me to do these big, you know, <laughs> anthemic EDM things. <laughs> and then um, people just, fans kept reaching out saying like, well, you should do more acoustics. And it made me feel so happy. So I just recently started doing them again. Um, because I actually really enjoy doing them for myself first and then yeah. for my fans. But yeah, when I do my acoustics, you know, it's, it's a different side of my voice. It's a, it's a very, um, emotive and, uh, that's, but that's really me. That's actually more me than, <laughs> I mean, that's authentically my vibe. I just don't, you don't make money from acoustics. Unfortunately. <laughs> 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 I noticed that your first uh, hit listed by Wikipedia was I Can See Clearly Now. So um, oh. which, which version was that based on? Oh, my God. I had put out, wow, this is bringing back memories. Um, oh, there was a movie, an Australian movie, and my goodness, I don't even remember the movie, but the producers or the director had um, got, they hired me to sing the song. Mm. I can see clearly now for the movie right. and we even shot a video. And so um, there's a video of me singing and then it goes back and forth between the movie. I wow. have to find out with what it was, but yeah, we put that out years ago. That was through universal yeah, right. records. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I didn't write that. Obviously I didn't. That's no, really no. Yeah. <laughs> I well, wish I, I did. Uh, well, i got to say the acoustic stuff uh, certainly resonates with me. I was uh, in the pool with my son. We were just swimming around. I had the UE uh, Hyper Boom up in the pool area. I thought, right, let's flick this Vassy music on. Let's go to the acoustic stuff because I can relate to that better than the, the dance stuff. And uh, it was fantastic. It was blaring away in the backyard in Darwin. And, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody else heard it, but... Uh, it was a That's lot of fun. awesome. Thank you. That means a lot. That really means a lot. Thank you so much. We do, however, need to have you back in Darwin and we need to go on a bit of a Luxa tour because oh. I think, uh, I think <laughs> Mary's Luxa, uh, which I believe is your favourite Luxa, um, do, do you know that we actually have a, a Luxa competition now every year? Oh, yeah? yeah. Is that it's the Darwin? one? I was um, doing an interview with the Hot 100 when I was in Darwin last and um, they roped me into this thing during my interview on air. 
Uh, and they and I don't know, they were running it. I don't know if that's the one you mean, but then I got roped in and they asked me on the spot, what's your favorite laksa? And I said, oh, it's Mary's from Karat <laughs> Markets. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was this rivalry was between Mary and something else. And anyway, it was kind of funny, but um, hmm. yeah, she so knows now. A- so when my mom, my mom goes every Saturday, and mom goes, Mary asked for you again. <laughs> <laughs> she said, say hi to your daughter. And when did you come to have her laksa? <laughs> well, uh, the Luxa Festival is now in its third year this year. It is extremely competitive. Um, people, and the thing that, that you might not know, Bassi, is that people are, it's brought their creative juices out. You can buy a Luxa burger. Mm. You, can oh. buy, uh, you can buy all sorts Chicken of Luxa. Chicken schnitzel Luxa? But really? The, the, yes, but the one <laughs> that you will never believe and I've tried it, and I've got to tell you, it is reasonably authentic, is Luxa ice cream. No. Yeah, I know. Wow. That's what everybody says. They go, oh, you can't no, do that. <laughs> then you wrong. go and taste it, and you go, wow, oh, boy. this really tastes like Luxa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. But that sounds cool, though. I'd love to. When I come home, like, let's do it. I mean, I definitely would love to. For us to go, maybe we should do a segment on just luxes and go and yeah. like check out some of the luxes around the town and and, yeah. and support them. And I'd like to do it for my Instagram anyway and do a whole luxe yeah. special. But my heart stays with Mary. I'm so loyal. When I love something, <laughs> come on, I mean, her luxe is so good. Oh, the right <laughs> amount of coriander and the chili and the, the peanuts, the crushed peanuts on top. She'll have a photo up in her stall next week with you on it. So I know. Recommended by Vassy. Vassy, I should be like, with Alexa. You might need to write a song, Vassy. I reckon I I think I'm entitled to free Luxes for the rest of my life. I think so. (laughs) Play this to her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But, yeah, no, I miss those things. You know, I miss so much stuff about home. I, I miss that. I mean, I miss my family, period, right? Mm. And then, of course, I miss the Saturday markets and the Sunday markets and the Mindle Beach markets. It's funny, the NT News um, posted on my Instagram the other day because they know I'm such a – and um, they said, oh, the, the Mindle Beach markets misses you because I guess they're going to start soon. I was like, ah, <laughs> crying. Um, but I love the markets because we don't really have those here. I mean, they have the farmer's markets, yeah. but it's not like our market. It's not territory. We have the best. Yeah, we have the best markets, and yeah. we we really do. And mm-hmm. um, and of course, I I really miss my sun the sunsets in Darwin yes. and my Mindle Beach or East Point. My favorite walks in the afternoon mm. is East Point. So, Vasi, yeah. I'm going to tell you a story, uh, but not to make you feel bad, but just to just to remind you about the the, the uniqueness of Darwin. So Monday was a public holiday here uh, for Easter, and uh, I was. I was actually doing a little bit of work and then I got a, a phone call from my air conditioning service guy, right? The guy that does, as you know, in Darwin, it's very important to know your air conditioning service guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, he, he just rang me randomly and he said, Leon, uh, my son's just been crabbing and we've got two crabs. Do you want them? <laughs> like, dude, where are you? I'm coming over right now. Drove straight down there. Uh, the crabs were in an esky. They were beautiful, big mud crabs from the creek at the back of the hospital there in <laughs> And uh, and I said, I said, I said, mate, why are you? Why aren't you guys eating these? Said, no, we don't like eating them, but we like catching them. <laughs> so uh, took them took them straight uh, to the NT Emporium. Got a packet of the uh, Singapore chili crab mix. Went home, fired up the wok, followed the instructions, chucked the crabs in there. Oh my God, Bessie. Oh, no. <laughs> You're rubbing it in. You're rubbing it in. <laughs> my, my, uh, my brother in law is the best at, like, he goes mud crabbing and he's into fishing and Evan's into all that. Um, and, and, oh man, he's caught us some great. When I was there for Christmas, the, the last Christmas before COVID, um, one of the things on the barbecue was cra- a mud crab. And oh, mm. I just, I just, yeah, I, I, we have some of the best seafood back home. 
best. So, yes, thank you for rubbing that in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, uh, talking about yachts, uh, to give Evan and Anna a plug, um, uh, Ward Keller has had two Christmas parties there, uh, including last year. Oh, and great. We, yeah, we love the food there. Uh, I partic- And, uh, Vassie, I'm not much of a beer drinker. And to, be t- to tell you the honest truth, I don't actually like the taste of beer. But the last time I was at Yachts, Someone ordered a mythos. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, here we go. I'll, hmm. I'll, have, I'll be polite and I'll have some. <laughs> have a couple of sips. I, I, I literally sculled that bottle of beer because it was the most tasteable beer I've ever drunk in my entire life. Wow. Um, Why is that not more readily available, I ask? Well, it is there. I mean, and that's the thing. Um, Anna and Evan are very picky with their selection in wine and beverages and what they have on the menu. And they're so passionate about their cuisine. I mean, obviously, we're Greek. We grew up on Greek food. But they have given it a Northern Territory and twist because on, I don't know if people realize this, but on the menu, you know, there's the shrimp with the shrimp, which is still Greek, but it's done in a way that's almost tropical, mm. you know, with the creamy sauce and then the, sh- the garlic shrimp and then the chili shrimp, and that's Evan, all Evan. <laughs> mm. um, but it's cool. They cre- they've created such a great environment there for everyone, and my brother works there with them, and it's just like this family vibe, and Evan writes these things on the chalkboard to make fun, like my mother-in-law made the dessert or when his mum yes. was around because we lost her years ago too. He used to be like, my mum made this, my mother-in-law made this, and, People just love going there for the experience and, you know, the location's amazing. I mean, it's overlooking the harbour with yachts. Literally, you feel like you're on a little island or something where in Greece, Santorini or something. And, and, um, and they've just done a great job because, you know, the restaurant industry can be up and down, up and down, very difficult in going. And Mm. so I, I'm so proud of them because that, that's, that's amazing that they've kept local jobs thriving for the local community and just, being a business in Darwin, long-lasting like that and providing not only, you know, opportunities for the locals but a place for the locals to come to have an experience every week with their loved ones or just to get out of the house. It's just we need more of that in Darwin, I feel. Mm. Yeah. And in in LA, are there any other Darwin people like you guys? Because, I mean, obviously there's yourself and, you know, we met Graham the other day. No, I just connected with him recently and he's the only Darwinian person I've met (laughs) in Los Angeles in all these years, yeah. And so I had coffee with him and his wife and they all know my sister and her husband because they are two. (laughs) (laughs) They went to school with him and so they grew up, that's that generation, and it was kind of trippy. I was sitting there and we're all talking and it just felt crazy to be around this local (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what? And they live in Beverly Hills too, which is right next to me. I'm literally, I'm not, you know, in Beverly Hills. And, and so it was just like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is going on? So it's tough. Not many people are from, I mean, just it's, look, it's hard to, to make it out here and be from a little place like Darwin. Mm. So I don't know any any actor that's from Darwin either. Like all the Australian actors that come and make it out here are not from Darwin. So um, I feel like it's there's there's obviously a couple other people that have, but yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. I'm representing as much as I can. Love I it. mean, I have big plans. I have big. I'm not talking about them yet, but I at some stage when hopefully if I can come back and live in Darwin, I'm I'm gonna do. Uh, my role is to use my public you know, um, stand and my public profile, my voice to just uh, increase, you know, the awareness about how amazing uh, Darwin is. So mm. I'm going to I'm going to eventually find a way to do that and still keep tied in with what I'm doing. So I'm trying, I'm trying to figure it all out. But that's why when I come to Darwin, I want to spend some time there and get plugged in a little bit because, you know, yeah. I've been away for so long. So I'm obviously going to call you, Leon, and I'm going to be like, hey, let's go get coffee, and then who do I need to know? Who do I need to meet? And before you know it, I'll be in the Parliament House. No, <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need some people we in the Parliament House, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Look, Bessie, uh, I know this Pete's got some other questions for you. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm really happy that we've had the chance to meet on this uh, platform. 
Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the support. It means a lot. And I, I was happy to connect with you guys. I was so happy when he told me. He's like, oh, it's Darwin. And just so much because I miss home mm. so much. And just to, you know, and cultivate these relationships, but also to share my story because I hope that it can inspire some of the local kids out there because, you know, it, it is tough. It is tough coming from Darwin, I, I, I think. And it's still difficult even now, but it was so hard back then. But I guess I just want my story to inspire other kids that look if mm. i if i could do it and trust me if i can do it and you've got something that you believe in yourself about and you want to whatever it is you want to do you can do it too you really can absolutely that's a great message bassy thanks so much for joining us thank you for having me guys that was the territory zone singer songwriter vassy on the territory story podcast we'll catch you again next time You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms or go to territorystory.com. The Territory Story Podcast, thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.